Yup. Let's get it. Yo! Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. A Saturday episode, to be exact. Welcome back. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the IKP. Woo! Okay. So, got a lot to get. You got, got some NFL free agency news to get into. Uh, I feel pretty good. How, how about you guys? I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I think um, NFL free agency signings. Uh, you know, you, you, I, I'm and I'm noticing a trend. I'm noticing a trend, and I know I already, I, I've already talked about this, but boy, oh boy, the amount of players that I'm seeing getting cut, uh, surprisingly, to 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 many people's surprise. Um, I, it's, it's just amazing. And it's just going to be so much turnaround, uh, in, in free agency in this upcoming season It's I, I, I like, literally there's going to be some new faces in new places. I think that may be my slogan for this off season, new places and new, new faces and new places. Um, there's, there's going to be so much turnaround and it is March. And what and we like we we're talking about so much quarterback movement. It's 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 pretty incredible and remarkable of how like the NFL has really turned into the like it's really rivaling, you know, it's really you know, it's matching up well against the NBA free agency. Cause the cause you know, you guys know the NBA free agency period is crazy. But the NFL free agency period especially this year is crazy as well. It's a lot of quarterback turnaround. Um and I I I got a, I got I got something interesting. I got a lot of interesting pointers I want to uh make today. I got a lot. And you know, we're going to talk about Dak. Last episode I talked about a lot of Dak. Cowboy fans loved it. Uh if you don't like the Cowboys, probably didn't like all the Dak talk, but there was a lot of Dak talk last episode. Uh, Tom Brady restructures deal. Uh, Cam Newton resigned the Patriots. So though I'm gonna get into those. Uh, Cam is already Cam is always fascinating. Cam is always fascinating. But let's start with Dak again. Sorry, sorry, but I gotta start with Dak again. And I'm gonna get into more in depth on why. I think the Cowboys and Jerry Jones signed Dak Prescott to uh, a big a big time deal. A deal that really, if you look at like the all of the details and not just like the figure, you look at all the details, all the little things about the contract, Dak Prescott arguably got the best contract in NFL history. And that's probably that's probably true. And it's it's a good argument. It's a good damn argument. But let's get into why. Why did Dak Prescott get such a big-time deal? Why did he? Well, let's 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 just start right here. And I know, and and, and I'm gonna rate. I'm gonna rank Dak because because I'm gonna rank Dak where he ranks amongst or where does he fall amongst the the the, the like the quarterbacks around the league? Because I think all of us can agree, even Cowboy fans can agree. That Dak Prescott, even Dak Prescott, is not an elite quarterback. He is not a top three. He, like when I say elite, I'm talking. He's not a top three quarterback. He's not Rodgers. He's not Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson. 
He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Josh Allen, I don't think. So we know he's not in that top five range. Now, Dak, you could make the argument that Dak is a top 10 quarterback. I'm going to see where Dak lands. I'm going to go through the quarterbacks around the league, and I'm going to see where Dak lands. But why did Dak get paid so much money? Because I hear a lot of people talking, oh, my gosh, Dak, $40 million a year? He does not deserve that. Uh, uh, you know, a signing bonus of $66 million, $126 million guaranteed? Way too much for Dak. First of all, Jerry Jones always overpay. He always overpay. Hell, he said it himself. Did you hear what he said in the press conference? Go back and look at it. Go back and listen to it. He said, hey, all of the achievements that I've made in my life, all the purchases that I made in my life that I overpaid for turned out to be pretty good. So this is what Jerry does. Jerry is a shows. He's a he's a show. He, you know, he has a lot of show and tell with him. But let's also look at Dak's division as far as quarterbacks. And if you look at his division for quarterbacks, it is god-awful. It's stinky. With the Giants, you have Daniel Jones, who he's Daniel Jones. I mean, sometimes he shows flashes and, you know, sometimes he trips over his feet. I just don't know. You just don't know what you're getting from Daniel Jones. Just really inconsistent. Uh, talented, but very, very inconsistent. Consistency is the key for that guy. But Daniel Jones is nowhere near Dak Prescott. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, that seems like that seems like the guy that Philly's going with. Uh, I mean, like I said, you guys know how I feel about. If you're a regular listener, you guys know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. I think he's a better thrower. I think he's a better runner than thrower. Uh, somebody's texting me. Oh my god, I think he's a better runner than thrower thrower of the football. So I don't, I don't, I don't really buy him technically. I can't, I can't really buy my stock into Jalen Hurts. Uh, and, and especially with that Philadelphia personnel, like you're not gonna get much done with that, no way. And then I look at the Washington football team. I don't know who their quarterback is. I, I guess I guess it's Taylor Heineke, nowhere near Dak Prescott. So you get the point right there. And usually in the NFL, usually when you have the best quarterback in the in the division, you usually win. You usually win the division, and that's an automatic bid into the playoffs. Like look at it last year. Who was the best quarterback in the AFCs? Josh Allen by far. Who was the best quarterback? Who was the best quarterback in 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 in, in the NFC South? Tom Brady, and they didn't win that. They didn't win the division, but they were eleven and five. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC West? Russell Wilson. Who's the best quarterback in the AFC West? Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know who's the best quarterback in the NFC North? Aaron Rodgers. So you you get the point there. You get you you see the trend. It usually, usually, not all the time, but usually, when you have the best quarterback in the division, you're usually going to win the division. Oh my God! Somebody must not know I'm podcast. <laughs> like you know, I'm just uh, oh man. So yes, Dak Prescott is going to win. You know, he should be able to win this division. I mean, he should. He should. Uh so let's take a look at the quarterbacks around the league. And let's see where Dak Prescott ranks. Let's see where he ranks. 
So I'm I'm thinking let's just get the let's just get the the easy ones out the way. Like these are just absolute no debate. A cowboy fan wouldn't even debate this. These like these let these names I'm about to drop. So Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, and Josh Allen. Josh Allen could be argued, but at this point, I'm going to give the slight edge to Josh Allen. And then I have a guy like Lamar Jackson who has one league MVP. Um so I would give so I would I would give the edge to Lamar too. So that's seven quarterbacks that I think most people would agree that Dak is better than at this point. At this point. Not uh, and at at this juncture, I think most people would say, yeah, those quarterbacks are better than Dak. And then I think right after that, I think Dak is a top eight quarterback. I think Dak is a top eight quarterback. I mean, I'm looking at it. You, I, I could throw out some names that's that may that may come to the mind of some people, but I'm looking at uh, Kyla Murray. I, I like Kyla Murray a lot. He he started off the season really hot, but he finished the season off on a bad note. Also, I got to see more consistency. He hasn't he hasn't he hasn't proven as much yet. Like Dak, Dak has shown me four solid years. Dak, you know, playoff win, beat Seattle, and I I, I just have seen more of Dak. You know, Kyler, I, I and I think Kyler, I think he can get there. Kyler definitely can be better than Dak, but at this juncture, I don't think he is. I'm just looking around the league. Uh, you really can't argue anybody else. You really can't. You really can't. If like, if you're gonna be honest, you can't really argue anybody else. Ryan Tannehill, he's good, but he's not. I don't think he's better than Dak. I don't think most people think he's better than Dak. And I like Ryan Tannehill, but he's not better than Dak. Uh Dirt Carr is really good, but I don't think I don't think he's better than Dak. I think Dak has an edge on him, like athletically. I think. Um, I don't think I don't think Derek Carr is better. I think Dak is better. Uh, I, you know, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is is another name that may come to some people's minds. And I like her. I I love I like Justin Herbert a lot. But let's you know let's let's it's it's his rookie year. Let's just see what he does the following year. Um, Baker. Oh God, no. Baker's not better than Dak. So I think appropriately, I think Dak is a top eight quarterback. I think Dak is a top eight quarterback. Um, and I'm not, and by any means, I'm not saying the Cowboys can't win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott being a top eight quarterback. But let's say, let's say Dak has a really, let's say Dak picks off where he left off last year, where he put, he was putting up some good numbers, and you could, and, and I, and I was one of the people that argued that some of those numbers were some empty calories. Those were some empty stats. But mm, I just think, let's just say he left off, where he picks up where he left off. Could Dak be a top five quarterback next year? Possibly. Possibly he could be on the fringe of that. But I think it's more likely that Dak is a top eight quarterback 
because that's what he is. Um, somebody could probably argue Matt Ryan, but at this juncture, I would take Dak Prescott because Matt Matt Ryan doesn't give me the the element with his legs. I just don't. I just, I just don't. I just don't. I, that's that's what we're, that's what we're favoring in, in in today's game now. So somebody could argue Matt Ryan, but I would probably give the edge to Dak. Um, so Dak is a top eight quarterback. In my opinion, has changed on this, but he's a top eight quarterback. And also, did you see the Cowboys? <laughs> like people are talking about, oh my God, the Cowboys. They they you know Dak over the last couple of years he's been eight and eight nine and seven. Oh my God, did you see the Cowboys last year? Did you watch a Cowboy game last year? Because <laughs> I had to watch all of them last year, and they were they were just complete. They, 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 I mean, after Dak went down, they weren't great when Dak was playing. But after Dak went down, they they didn't even look like a football team. Like they didn't even look like a foot. They didn't even look like a real football team when Dak went down. And then also the last aspect of to why I think Jerry Jones might have overpaid for Dak Prescott, and it's okay because they they had to they, they, like they had to, they had to pay Dak. But looking at the reasons, I think about the position of playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. It's so much pressure. It's so much pressure, and you gotta have, and you gotta be, you gotta have the intangibles. You gotta be mature enough to handle it. And some guys would not be able to handle being the Cowboys quarterback. That's like playing shortstop for the Yankees. That's like being that's like playing for the Lakers. It's just it just comes with a different type of responsibility and maturity that you have to have. And as I mentioned, Dak Prescott has all of those intangibles that you want to see from a franchise quarterback. He has all of it. He says the right things, you know. He says the right things, and you know, after wins, he says the right things after losses. Jerry Jones has had some controversial statements. Dak has, you know, said the right things. Like that is the type of guy that you want leading and running, and you know, leading your franchise. So at first, I look. So I think Dak first got paid because. He's the best quarterback in his division, and it's not even close. So that's a, that's an advantage for the Cowboys and Dak. I also think Dak got paid, or you, some people might say slightly overpaid, because, look, he's a top-eight quarterback. The Cowboys were terrible without him. Um, They didn't even look like a football team. And you can say, oh, well, they were 9-7 with him. They, they, they like At least they look like a football team. They didn't even look like a football team. After Dak's injury, so Dak is clearly valuable. He's a clearly he's clearly valuable in the locker room. He's clearly valuable on the field. Uh, people thought Andy Dalton was going to step in and you know be okay. That was not the that was not the god honest truth. Uh, that was far away from the truth. And then you think about the position of being the Cowboys quarterback. It just comes with a lot, and I think that is what you're paying Dak for. That's essentially what you're paying Dak for. Like I said, it's I'm not saying the Cowboys can't win a Super Bowl, but the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, they didn't put they didn't put together a Super Bowl roster when Dak was on his rookie deal. So it's gonna be even harder. It's gonna be even harder to put together a Super Bowl roster when you're paying Dak $40 million out the yin yang. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be even it's gonna be even more harder to do so. And I think some of the aspects, and it's not it's not all necessarily like all Dak's fault. Like I think some of the necessary pieces that he may need aren't there. Um, I'm not so sure about Mike McCarthy. I mean, he they they finished off the season okay, but I'm not sure about Mike McCarthy. I'm just uh, it's just a lot of variables around Dak where it's nothing really Dak can do about. But since he's getting paid all this money, he's the Cowboys quarterback. He got to face all this scrutiny. If they start losing, it just comes with the territory. But I think Dak is mature enough to handle it, and that is what you're paying for. That is that is one of the re- that is one that is one of the things that you're paying for. Simple as that. I think I think it's that easy. So let's just switch gears um, to Cam Newton and the Patriots. <laughs> and I hate to be this guy, but let's can we all say? Can we all admit, Patriots fans that listen to this podcast? Can you all admit I was right? I was right about the Patriots this whole entire year. Um, coming into last season, even with the Cam signing, even with the Cam Newton acquisition, I said this looks like a seven and nine, eight and eight football team. Well, Lord behold, the Patriots finished seven and nine. That that and that was just about what they were as a team. They were a seven and nine football team. So today, or I should I shouldn't say today, but uh, Cam Newton signed a one-year deal that could be worth up to $14 million per year. And I, I know some people probably freaking out, well, oh, my God, they, the Patriots, they're going back with Cam Newton. They're doing this. They're doing that. They don't like that move and so forth. It's a lot of people, a lot of people, okay? First, I'm not mad with the, the with the Patriots bringing back Cam Newton for a second year. First, I'm not mad. First of all, I think – and you guys know I'm not huge on Cam. Even when even when the acquisition was was you can go back and listen to my episodes last year surrounding Cam Newton going to the Patriots. I was not a huge fan of it. I didn't think him and Belichick's uh personalities kind of mixed. Uh it seemed like they do mix. Um it seems like they have a pretty solid relationship. I saw Cam's interview where he talked really he talked really highly of Belichick and, you know, that the Patriots are bringing back Cam Newton. So I think there's a connection there somewhere between there. But that, and that was just about the only thing I was wrong about with this Patriots team. But they were a 7-9 and nine football team. And the first year... There were there were, there was I, I saw so many people and, and I got and I and I stopped this last year. I saw so many people in the media after the Cam Newton signing and so many people talking about, oh my God, the Patriots, they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be a playoff team. They can possibly get to the AFC championship game. And I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes there. Pump the brakes. And I said it from the start. Some people try to change my mind throughout the season. I said, nope, they are a 7-9 football team. That's what they finished as. But there was a lot of expectations coming into the season with Cam Newton, and I just thought it was unfair. I thought it was unfair to him. And you guys and you guys know I am a big-time Cam critic, but I just thought it was unfair 
that they it, that the you know the amount of expectations that was weighed that was weighted on Cam's shoulders, even with those broad shoulders of his. I just thought that the expectations was just too heavy, too much. <laughs> People wanted him to make you know all of a sudden make the Patriots a playoff team, you know, throw to weapons that Tom Brady even couldn't that Tom Brady couldn't even make better. I just thought it was just inevitable. It was just inevitable what the ending was going to be with the New England Patriots last year. So they're bringing him back on a team-friendly deal, a one-year team-friendly deal. So I know some people are like, oh, well, the Patriots, it doesn't seem like they have a plan at the quarterback position. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. But with a one-year deal and with a friendly deal of such, you know, Cam Newton's magnitude right here, the Patriots can still go out and draft the quarterback if they want to. They can easily still go out and draft a quarterback. And I got on Cam Newton because of his inaccuracy and the, and the inefficiency. And that's just been that's just been the thing, the lingering thing, um, or theme, I should say, with Cam Newton's career. But if you look at who 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 his skills position were, like, did you not see the receivers of New England? I can't remember their names. I mean, I think one is Jacoby Myers. He's a young guy, but he's not a legitimate number one. Uh, they had Demarius Bird, you know, another no-name, Gunnar Olowski, uh, Lacoste, just just bad weapons all around. So I think year two would be a little bit better for Cam. Um, Cam is still, he still showed his ability on the ground. He was still able to show his ability on the ground. Um, and at this point, maybe Cam is just a better runner than thrower. That that can that could possibly be that can possibly be the case. But I believe with the Patriots coaching staff, um, with a restored defense that's coming back, no COVID. Because remember, a couple a, a couple of their big time starters missed the season, sat out for the season due to COVID. So you're bringing back your defense. Um, the Patriots have plenty. They have plenty of money to go out and spend on receivers and tight ends. You got guys like Kenny Galladay. You got guys like Hunter Henry. You got you got some guys on the open market. Will Fuller on the open market that is that that would be more than willing to come on to New England for a one or two year deal. Are you kidding me, Kenny Galladay? That would be such a great acquisition for Cam Newton in this offense. This because New England, let's be honest, New England can't draft receivers. They just, they just can't. They've been trying to do so, and they just haven't. It just has not worked out. But I don't think this Cam Newton thing is as bad as people trying to make it. And and and, and, like, and like I said, it's this is coming from a guy that is a big time Cam Newton critic. This is coming from a guy that was a big time Cam Newton critic. I I was I'm a big time Cam Newton critic. And I don't say that like boastfully, but I'm just I'm just telling you the truth. That's I'm a big time Cam Newton critic. But I do think this the deck the, the, the deck was kind of stacked against him uh, with the lack of offensive weaponry around him. Uh, the lack of preparation with due to COVID and, you know, trying to learn a new system, a very, uh, you know, a very, I must say, sophisticated system of such a New England. I just think it was a, it was a bit 
to overcome. But that is why my expectations weren't that high of Cam Newton last year. My expectations of New England and Cam Newton were not that high. It was it was not as high as many people's. As many people's, you know, a lot of people's expectations were playoffs. Some people even said AFC Championship game. No. But it's not a bad, this is not a bad deal. The Patriots, with a restore, like I said, with a restored defense, Cam Newton coming back for, you know, another year. So he's in year two. I think this, I think the, I think the Patriots could win nine games. I think that's fair to say. They could win nine games. I think that's fair to say. Nine, nine games, that's fair to say. And I'm looking at the, their, I'm looking at their division. Eight and, you know, let's be honest. Buffalo, Buffalo's legit. I think most people like the Buffalo. I think most people like Buffalo, Josh Allen and Brian Dayball, Sean McDermott, you know, Stefan Diggs and those guys. But then you look at the rest of the AFC East, it's some question marks. As much as I like Brian Flores, as much as I like the Miami Dolphins and what they have been doing over the last couple years, uh, Tua Tungabailoa hasn't panned out quite yet. The Jets, I don't know what they're doing. They're the Jets. So New England could can, they can they can very well compete in this division. And I think they will be better. They'll be they'll probably be two games better than what they were last year, which was they were seven and nine last year, as I predicted correctly. And they look like a nine and seven team. If they're if they're able to add of legitimate number one receiver, um, possibly a tight end like Hunter Henry. They have the cap space to do so. I think the Patriots can win nine games. I think that is fairly plausible given all of the things that I've already listed. <laughs> given the things that I've already listed. I think that's I think that's fairly po- plausible to make a statement of such. So I don't think the cam, and like I said, it's a friendly deal. Um, and the Patriots, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they, maybe they have a plan for the quarterback position. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know Cam Newton is going to be, he's going to be, I think he's going to be the starter probably. He's most likely going to be the starter for the Patriots, and it's probably going to be a nine-win season. Yeah, and I know some people are probably surprised. They're like, oh, my gosh, you're speaking well of Cam? I'm not necessarily speaking well of Cam. I still think, like, I still like, I still question the arm, like the arm strength. I, I still question that. Um, The accuracy, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a, a pinpoint accurate passer because he just has not been sent, you know, for ten years now. Ten years into his career, he's been a he's been a inefficient, inaccurate, inconsistent <laughs> passer. So I'm not saying he's gonna all of a sudden turn into a big time accuracy freak, but I do think with another year on his belt, um, hopefully some better weapons. And a better defense, a well, uh, you know, a, you know, a rested defense, a restored defense, and with the coaching staff, I think it's a nine-win season. I'm not mad at it. I mean, like I said, 
I just the only thing that I got wrong in this particular situation was Cam Newton and Bill Belichick's relationship. I didn't think the the I didn't think their personalities match. Belichick is more stale face, you know, do your job type of thing, efficiency, no nonsense. And Cam is very uh opposite, polar opposite jokingly very jokeful you know joyful happy smiles you know not efficient inefficient so yeah i I didn't i didn't see i didn't see the two working out uh they did so you know good good look for them definitely good look for them hey y'all what i mean okay you want some new sportswear you want some new sports apparel you want to rep your favorite team what are you waiting for go over to the 47 brand They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. And as I'm podcasting right now uh, i see the 76ers are playing and joel Embiid, my goodness he comes down with a very very scary injury i don't know what that is uh it looks to be a horrific injury not gonna lie he comes down very awkwardly after a dunk Whew. so I hate to speculate, but that does not look too good. That does not look too good. Um, So hopefully Embiid is okay. Um, For Embiid's sake, who's been having a MVP season, and probably most people, most most media members who have a vote would probably vote Embiid as the MVP right now. But uh, this injury does not look too good. It does not. Let's go on. Let's go on to Tom Brady. So Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, or I'm going to talk about Tom Brady and Kansas City. I'm going to talk about Tom Brady and Kansas City. So Tom Brady, um, he agreed with the Bucs on a contract extension that would keep him through 2022 in Tampa Bay. Not only that, though. With him restructuring his contract and, you know, doing a contract extension, uh, the Buccaneers are able, they are able to sign, they're able to sign more guys. They're able to have more flexibility with their salary cap. Um, I think they save about 10 plus million dollars with him, take with Brady taking a pay cut again. And Brady's definitely trying to go for his eighth Super Bowl. And I'm just looking, and I know I know free agency hasn't started like in full effect quite yet. Um, I know the draft has not occurred yet, but I must say the NFC has not gotten better. Um, Tampa Bay won the NFC, and they beat New Orleans pretty good. They beat Green Bay pretty good. 
and I'm just looking at Tampa Bay, and I'm looking at all the moves that they have been making. Oh, well, all the players that they have retained. Like, they were able to keep Chris Godwin. You know, they were able to keep Chris Godwin. They were able to resign Levante David. I think I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this Bucks team, and I'm like, I don't want to say they're going to run away with the NFC, but looking at the moves that have been made, I know the Rams made a move to get Matthew Stafford, and I like that move. I think a lot of people like that move, but I don't think that's a move that's moving the needle. I don't think the Matthew Stafford acquisition is uh, is is the move that's like, oh, hold up, the Rams are better than the Buc- than the Buccaneers. I don't know. I don't know quite yet. Even though the Rams did beat the Buccaneers in the regular season, that was the regular season. I just don't know because um, Matthew Stafford. There's also people also have some question marks about Matthew Stafford, and you know, is he just a talented quarterback that just really can't win? Um, even you know, no, doesn't matter the situation. He just can't win. He's you know, no matter how talented he is. So that's there's still some question marks and still some things that has to be answered from Matthew Stafford's part. But outside of that. There has been no, uh, there's been no real other acquisitions from the NFC, and it just seems like I'm looking at teams like Green Bay. I know Seattle, it's having their turbulence with Russell Wilson and Pete Curl, because that's what it seems like um, with Russell Wilson and Pete Curl. Like they're bumping heads, and they have a different, they have, they just, they see the game differently now, philosophy wise. I mean, there, there's, there's definitely some philosophical, some philosophy. You know, so you know, philosophical differences between Pete Curl and Russell Wilson. So I'm just very curious to see how the, the, the development of the NFC as a conference, as you know, I want to see who is going to be the contender or who's going to be the number one contender to beat the or take down the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers look like they are retaining dudes. They are retaining dudes and they're trying to get back. They're trying to get back. And <laughs> yeah. They are the favorites. They're the, they're the, the the Buccaneers are the favorites. And once again, Tom Brady takes another pay cut. Um, and you look and you just look at the guys. Um, uh, I got sent the, I got sent a pretty funny post about the quarterbacks who are getting paid more than Tom Brady, and you know he's winning just as much. And and I and I you know one could argue Brady has the financial comfortability to do so. He has the fun. He has the financial. Uh, stability to do so with you know Giselle being his wife and Giselle's really the breadwinner in the house if you think about it, which is funny. So he can afford to take a pay cut, but some of these other guys really can't. Um, if you know, if they wanted to, they could, but they're not. They're not unless they have to restructure their contract. Um, Mahomes he also took a pay cut. Mahomes took a pay cut. Uh. Restructures deal a little bit, so the rate, so the, the so Kansas City can save some money up in the salary cap, and very surprisingly, very very surprisingly, the Kansas City Chiefs, they they cut they release Eric Fisher, number one overall draft pick, ta- left tackle, um, and then they released also Venture Swartz, um, two really high end offensive linemen, uh, Mitchell Swartz is a, I think I think Mitchell Swartz is a bit younger. Um, top five. He's a definitely he's, he's definitely a top five player at his position. And then Eric Fisher, um, he's coming off of a Achilles tear, 
to and he's older. So that's very interesting what Kansas City is doing. It's very interesting. And it has me thinking of what I, I I've been stressing this since the NFL season has ended. Um, I've been stressing I've been stressing how I just think the NF the, like there's gonna be a lot of new I think that's gonna be our mojo. That is gonna be our mojo. That's gonna be our slogan for the NFL for the NFL offseason. A, a lot of new faces in new places. And maybe Kansas City restructures their deals. Maybe they you know, maybe they resign them and just restructure their deals. I don't know. But I kind of found I found it quite surprising. Um a lot of my you know, a couple of you guys hit me up and said, "Hey, do you see this? Do you see that?" You tagged me in a couple posts and so forth. So I I, I did see it, and it's quite surprising because you you look back at the Super Bowl this past year, you're like, mm, I think Kansas City need all the protection they can get um, to protect Mahomes. So that's really interesting. But it seems like this is the feel that I'm getting from the NFL free agency so far um, with player with teams already cutting some players, some notable players at that. If it seems like if you're like an older veteran who's making, let's say 10 plus million dollars per year, you're probably getting cut or released or, or, or I should say you're probably getting cut or your contract is getting restructured. Because there's there's a handful of teams that really have a lot of money to go out and free agency to spend. Like the Patriots got money to go out and spend. Uh, the Washington football team has money to go out and spend. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars has money to go out and spend. Like those those are those are like the select few hand you know handful of teams that have allocated funds uh, a, a pretty good amount too. I think those are four. I think those are like three or four among you know the um, the teams amongst who has the high, you know the largest salary cap this year. Um, those teams can make moves, but a lot of these teams like Green Bay, Kansas City, they're gonna have the Cowboys. They're gonna have to restructure some of these guys' deals just to improve the the gaps in their roster. So I did. So people were asking me about the Mitchell Swartz and Eric Fisher. Um, release, you know, getting cut by the, the Chiefs. And I just, I did find it surprising. But I also, I'm also thinking of it of, hey, older veterans, I mean, they're, they're, you know, one could argue that they're still very, very productive at their positions. But I think Kansas City is thinking about, you know, adding a couple one-year mercenary type of contracts to their books instead of multi-year deals and once again this is why I was not so I wasn't going so crazy about the dynasty talk um I like I brought it up I brought it up here and there I never you know I, I brought it up here and there but this is what make it so difficult for dynasties to last because especially in the NFL because you, it's just so many financial barriers that you have to climb. And then you're looking about, it's just wrong timing for Kansas City. Because you're looking at the timing, it's like, woo, you know, the COVID-19, COVID you know, that's the reason why 
the league is bringing down the salary cap because of COVID-19. They got to find a way. They got to find some type of way to recoup the money. So they're doing so. They're reducing the salary cap and they're reducing it significantly. And with a team like Kansas City, a team like the Cowboys, but more so, let's let's think about Kansas City. You know, you obviously Patrick Mahomes got a big time deal. Uh, Chris Jones got extended last summer. Um, Frank Clark got a big got a got a nice size deal. Travis Kelsey got a nice size deal. You know that, like I said, the two offensive linemen, Mitchell Swartz, Eric Fisher, they got two nice deals. So you're looking at how the how the salary cap is allocated. And can and I mean, as we all knew, Kansas City is very top heavy. Simple as that. Kansas City is very top heavy. So um teams that are very top heavy, like I said, Kansas City Cowboys, uh, they're gonna do some restructuring. But Kansas City, this is why the dynasty talk was a bit hyperbole. This is why the dynasty talk, like like when people saying they gotta, you know, they're gonna win three and you know four and five and six Super Bowls. That's why that was a little bit. That was some hyperbole. That was that was that was hyperbole and premature. Those conversations were 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 prematurely had um, because I don't think people realize how hard a dynasty is to maintain. Um, I'm looking, um, you know. I'm I'm thinking about the land. I'm thinking about dynasties um in the in NFL history and um obviously the Patriots, the 20 year dynasty, the 20 year run that they had, but I feel like that's just an outlier because you don't you don't you don't see that happen. You're not gonna see that happen probably ever again where the best coach and the best quarterback are on the same team. Probably not gonna see that again. But I'm thinking about the 60 Packers, the 70s Steelers. Um, the 90s Cowboys, there's not a lot of dynasties in the NFL. Maybe you could probably make the argument maybe the 80 49ers, maybe the 80s 49ers, maybe, but for sure, you can for sure definitely count the 60 Packers, the 60s Packers, the 70s Steelers, and the 90s Cowboys. And then, like I said, the 20, you know the 2000 Patriots, you just don't see stuff like that um, happen as far as dynasties. So that's why the, the dynasty talk was a bit out there. And I said, you know, as long as they have Mahomes and a solid coach, because who, know, who, who, who knows how long Andy Reid will be coaching. But if they have Patrick Mahomes and a solid coach and a solid supporting cast around him, they're going to always be in the discussion as far as a deep playoff run or a legit Super Bowl team. They're going to always be in the discussion. But as far as winning the Super Bowl and getting there every up, like, that's so difficult to do and so difficult to just try and, 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 and try. I mean, it's just so difficult. It, you can't You can't just you can't repeat these type of things. You can't. You really can't. Um, <laughs> you just can't. You just, you seriously just cannot replicate some of these things that New England did. Uh, and, and and you can look at look just look at the advantages that New England had in in throughout their run. And one of the big advantages was the AFC East. The AFC East was so pitiful for years, and kind of still is, really. 
um, you know, a lot of question marks. But the NFC, the AFC East was has been a bad division. The Jets, the Dolphins, the Bills. The Bills are just now starting to get back rolling again. But for for about t- 17 to 20 years, the franchise has been bad. I'm looking at the AFC West. You know, you got the Raiders, Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr's pretty good. Uh, Justin Herbert, really young, talented, talented roster with the Chargers. And then the Denver Broncos, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure how sold they are on Drew Locke. I think he had um, he had a he had a below fifty. He had below sixty percent completion percentage. So I just don't know how they feel about him. But I look at the AFC West. There, it's not a cakewalk. You got some competitive teams. And remember, the Raiders played the the Chiefs really well last year. You got some competitive teams in the AFC West, unlike the AFC East. So there's just so many variables that went New England way. So many more variables, variables that went New England way. So very surprising for Kansas City. But like I said, back to New, back to Tom Brady in the NFC. I want to see what happens with the NFC teams. Um, and this is why this is why it's such it, the Chicago Bears. If you have to give up four or five first round picks, you may need to do that because the Bears have not had a franchise quarterback in such a long time. They just haven't had a franchise, a franchise guy. And you just don't and you don't know how many times a top five quarterback is going to be available. Nevertheless, this to this offseason, you have two two top five quarterbacks that are available. So, and both of them are interested. I think the Bears need to make a move. I really, truly do. I truly do think they need to make a move. This is their time. With that defense, um, I know some people are kind of down on Matt Nagy, but he comes, like I said, he comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. So we're like I, I, I like I want to see him put up. I want to see what what Matt Nagy looks like with a really good quarterback. Because with Mitchell Trubisky, he's made the playoffs two times in three years. He's made the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky. Hold up, am I correct about that? Actually, can we can we fact check that? They made the playoffs last year. Yeah, so. In two of the three years, they have made the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky as his quarterback. So I know, like I said, I know some people are probably down on Matt Nagy, but I mean, I I just don't know what else would you be looking for. <laughs> what else would you be looking for in a coach? I mean, he's trying his best with a, a limited quarterback. So yeah. Interesting, and I think the I think the Chicago Bears need to make a move. This is their time. Yeah, and that's about it. Um, by the way, <laughs> um, you guys need to stop it. You guys need to stop it, okay? About I'm t- and I'm talking about the LeBron topic, the LeBron topic, the KD topic. You know, the topic that I went into on the previous episode where I talked about. 
uh, the player empowerment movement, you know, the player empowerment movement or era and who started it, which was LeBron James. Once again, that is not a knock on LeBron. In some ways, I like the player empowerment era. I like it. So it's not a bad thing um, upon LeBron. It's not a stain on his legacy. It's not. I think it's it move it's it's it moved the game forward. So for that, it's gonna have a lasting effect. Um, so that that's that that's not a negative about LeBron saying that he started the player empowerment movement because in fact he did. So I don't care if it was positive or negative, he did, but it's not negative. It's not in a bad way. But it is quite, it is quite, it is very, very quite ironic and just so telling that, you know, looking at, looking at what's going on right now in Brooklyn, it's so ironic that LeBron, once again, has been killed by his own medicine. Once again, I'm not saying LeBron starring player. I'm not saying that. No. It's not a bad thing, but it's ironic. It is ironic that Kevin Durant, once again, it looks, it seems like he has one up on LeBron as far as, you know, stacking the deck. What I don't like is I don't like the pit. I don't like the hypocrisy that I'm seeing throughout, you know, NBA Twitter, which is pretty funny. And I don't, I don't really take serious like half of me take NBA Twitter seriously. The other half really doesn't really doesn't take me serious. The other half really doesn't take NBA Twitter seriously. But there is a half of me, a part of me that's, you know, that does take it seriously. But then more so, it's more so the, the hypocrisy in the media that I've been seeing. The hypocrisy in the media in terms of this Kevin Durant stacking the deck thing, because, and it's one example of this, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp of, off of Undisputed on FS1. Shannon Sharp is, like, and, and, I, and, I, and I, you guys know, I don't do this on my, on my podcast. I usually don't do this on my platform. But, I got to call a spade a spade and I got to call out and I got to point out the hypocrisy. Shannon Sharp of FF of F, FS1 undisputed. He has been known for champion LeBron and he's a LeBron fanboy, okay? Let's just keep it like that. He's a LeBron fanboy and I just, I just have, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I just have, I don't know if the media has gotten away with, you know, doing its actual job, you know, actually criticizing and, you know, not just criticizing, but actually criticizing, giving their takeaways, their honest opinions away from players and teams and the games and so forth. And I just don't think we see that enough 
It's just so much hypocrisy. And Shannon Sharp is the, is the prime example of this. Let me and now let me give you guys the prime example. Shannon Sharp when be, so when LeBron when LeBron got the trade for Anthony Davis and that trade went through. When Kawhi Leonard a couple years ago, when Kawhi Leonard was a free agent, Shannon Sharp was applauding LeBron James for trying to get Kawhi. He was celebrating. LeBron James because he was trying to get Kawhi Leonard. Now we all know the history. There is Kawhi Leonard didn't join the Lakers. He joined the Clippers. But now Kevin Durant is stacking the deck. He is. It's okay, but he's stacking the deck. Now that he's stacking the deck, Shannon Sharp has a problem with that. But LeBron was just trying to stack the deck. It was ooh blah. It was just a whole celebration and a whole block party when LeBron was stacking stacking the deck and trying to get Kawhi. Already had mind you, the trade for Anthony Davis already went through. They already had Anthony Davis. He was trying to get Kawhi. Do y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? He was trying to get Kawhi. I talked about it on this podcast. I started my podcast based upon this. He was talking about it. And Shannon Sharp, was cha- he was championing LeBron for trying to get Kawhi. Didn't get Kawhi. Now Kevin Durant is trying to, you know, now Kevin Durant is stacking the deck. And people calling him out, saying this and that. But the, the, but the hypocrisy, LeBron James started it. And I'm not saying, you know, Two wrongs make a right, but I'm just saying LeBron James started it. If we're gonna call, if we're gonna call out Kevin Durant for stacking the deck, if we're if we're gonna do that, if you're gonna call out Kevin Durant for stacking the deck, then call out LeBron James for doing the same damn thing. That's all. But I think somewhere in the media, somewhere between the lines, between the sand. Some media members have become just platinum fanboys of some of these players. And that takes away from the actual journalistic approach and the actual whole meaning of the job or of the quote-unquote phrase media. It takes away from it. It takes away from it. Because now you're a fanboy. You're not a part of, like, I, that's why I, I really, I, I honestly can't stomach Undisputed and their basketball topics because I know what all of that entails with Shannon Sharp and his fandom. But nevertheless, I'm going to leave it like that. Um, And that was more so towards my listeners, you guys, not trying to, you know, but that was more so towards my listeners. Just stop the hypocrisy. And like I said, LeBron James starting the player empowerment movement, it's not a negative. It's not a bad thing. But he did start it. And it is ironic that it may come back to kill him once again, just like it did versus Golden State. But like I said, I don't usually on my platform, I usually do not call out other. I usually don't do that. But in this particular situation, you guys... I, some people gave me some pushback. 
because of my comments on my previous episode. So had to come back, fill that up again. And then also I'm noticing some hypocrisy. So I got to call it out. Sorry. Sorry. I got to call it out. But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. I don't want to hold up this episode any much longer. Um, Pretty good episode. Not too long. I try not to make it too long on Saturdays. But uh, hopefully we get some more NBA, NFL NFL free agency news by Wednesday. I think we will. Don't <laughs> once again. I think we will. I'm just I'm, you know I'm just speaking things into existence. But I think we will get some news. So that should be pretty fun. Um, but without further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go. Always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace, deuces. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. I appreciate you guys.